What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast, broadcast from the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, the, the State <laughs> of the Ark yeah. podcast station. Station uh, in space. It's sick yeah. out here in space. It is. It's I recommend nice. it uh, as yeah. you know a, a reprieve to get away from um, all the crap happening on Earth. Just like observe it all from space. It's cold though, bring a, bring a coat. <laughs> we will talk about the set here in a second. If you're <laughs> listening to this audio only, you have no idea what we're talking about because uh, you don't yeah. see that we're on a new set. We are, <laughs> we are filming this from a new set. Um, but uh, anyways, before we get into that, um, just wanted to mention a couple things for house cleaning. Some people are probably wondering, oh, the podcast is back. How often will you be, uh, will you be releasing new ones? Is it gonna be weekly again? Is it gonna be, how often? Um, by the time this goes up, we will have released our Patreon uh, video, yeah. re-announcing Patreon. And so, which if you haven't seen, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, a link will be in the description, right? Uh, so you can see, because I detail in that video like what the new uh, schedule is going to be moving forward on the channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a stretch goal on Patreon, where if we hit two thousand dollars a month we're going to be able to do two uploads to the main channel. So Kaysen and I will each do one video every month, me on the second week, him on the fourth week. Um, So new video. And then in between those, we'll do podcasts. And my thought now is that the full length podcast will be uploaded to the archive channel the way we were doing it, but we can take snippets uh, like clips and put them on the main channel during that same week. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if people like that or not. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of my thought for now. Anyways, if we, hit, if we hit the stretch goal, that's what the new schedule will be. And beyond that, it, we, will, we don't have the, the actual goal set up yet. We will discuss that when, it, we want to hit this first. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't want to look too far ahead of ourselves. But if we can get to the point where we, I can get back to doing the channel full time again, then it'll get back to a weekly release schedule. But we're not announcing when that's gonna happen. For now, if we hit the goal, it's twice a month. If, it, if we don't hit the goal, it's once a month. It'll be a monthly podcast. That's the plan. Also, talk about the set. So getting back to that. <laughs> a nice. lot of people, so we, we put up, um, I did not expect this to happen. Mm-hmm. We put up a Twitter um, update. I just put up a photo yeah. of the set. And it, it blew up almost bigger than like any social media post we've ever. <laughs> bigger than our actual videos. Any, any video <laughs> we've posted or anything. I, had, I was kind of blown away by it. Like, yeah. Well, one, it was great because that means people really like the podcast and they look mm. forward to it and they were excited about it. And, and the set does look really nice. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure that it created some questions in people's mind about like, how did you afford that? Or like, did, did like, yeah, what are we where is this, this money <laughs> coming from? Because you know, then we're talking about Patreon like a couple weeks later. And yeah, I, anyways, yeah. I'm sure that that question came up in some people's minds, so I want to clear that up. Uh, <laughs> I work here in this building, in mm. this studio. This is where I do my day job. So I, I film a couple of different podcasts and shows. I produce them from this room, and the company is allowing us to use it um, for now. And I would love to make it a permanent setup moving forward in the future. That will also be dependent on Patreon. If we can uh, accrue the support on Patreon, this will become a permanent setup moving forward. So I think that's it in terms of announcements and like house cleaning stuff. Um, A lot of people were super like excited about the podcast coming back. We're we're wondering what the topic was going to be and people (laughs) were like, oh, I hope it's this or I hope it's that. So I don't want to disappoint too many people. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Because the way that we're going to kind of do our topics moving forward is we're going to have half the time spent kind of elaborating on the last video that was made or one of the last videos that we had produced. And we'll kind of go deeper into that and and sort of like detail things we didn't have a chance to say in the video. Um, And then the second part will be a future topic we're thinking about making a video on and uh, kind of testing the waters with the idea and getting some ideas from you guys so that we can incorporate that into videos. Because you did the Dragon Quest video, yeah. and then you saw a couple of comments, and you were like, I wish I had seen that <laughs> you know, before making the video. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So that'll be a chance for us to do that. And yeah. then at the end of the podcasts for about 10 minutes, we'll do uh, Q&As from Patreon. 
Yeah. So, um, so no, no news. Yeah, we're not. Don't doing expect news. us to ever talk about news. We're not going to talk about <laughs> on news <this> podcast. <laughs> we're just going to talk about stuff we actually know about. Because what ended up <laughs> happening on those podcasts is like, oh, we have a news section, but let's go see what happened this week. And then we were kind of like, a lot of times not totally informed, and we're just like skimming uh, like a news headline yeah. and then like giving opinions on something <laughs> that we didn't even freaking know we we're talking yeah. about. We won't avoid that moving forward. <laughs> I know. If we, we're, we, we talk about topics, we don't talk about news stories because yes. news stories are so often just wrong and sometimes right. we infer different meaning than they're intended. Exactly. It's just not something we want to get into this time. Exactly. So that'll be kind of, kind of the plan. It'll be like a 20 minute block for topic one, 20 minute block for topic two, about 10 minute block for uh, the Q&A at the end. And then it gives us a, a, a 10 minute wiggle room. These will be about an hour long moving forward. So that is, uh, that is our plan. Of course, if you guys have suggestions or anything like that, you can always feel free sure. to comment on it. Um, um, but about future topics, future videos, yes. things that you wanna see, things that you thought about in the past. And um, you know, we always are looking for what, what other people want uh, us to talk about. So. Right. So, uh, touching on the Dragon Quest video that you uploaded. Yeah. I loved it. I hope you guys loved it too. Um, there were some comments uh, that you saw and you were like, oh, I wish I had um, said that or mentioned that. Why don't we do that first? Yeah, here's one. There was one. a couple here's of one. things. Here's one. The first one was somebody said, oh, you, lo you missed the chance to title this video Echoes of an Elusive Age, specifically meaning Echoes of the 90s age of right. video games, right? And I was right. like, dang it, I totally, I at least could have put in a line saying that, that, that it's entirely possible that that's what that title's even actually is referring that's to. That's what it's about. The <laughs> Echoes of an Elusive Age, although aside from the Dragon Quest story implications of Echoes yeah. of Elusive Age being in the past and whatever, um, but having it be like this game is an echo of the elusive 90s genre that mm. we're all so eager to get back into that nobody is making games like that anymore. Would have been a perfect tie-in. And Dragon Quest XI is like, boom, we've got a game, and it's even called, and I just I just missed that. I missed didn't it. Even see it. So that's my bad. Here's the other one, though. The other one is um, the Yuji Hori, right? Yeah. He he did not direct all of the games, but he has all, and this is where this is what I missed. He he has always been the scenario writer for every yes. game, every yes. single game, and he's produced them all too. And I. Missed that. That that's a big part of why Dragon Quest has such little variance in the games. Also, we can get into how people claim that there is actually a lot of changes sure. throughout the series. Yeah. Um, but my point being, the spirit of it isn't right. hasn't changed since feels the feels the same. To it play. feels the same, and yeah. they even have a two D mode, and you play it, and it is a nineties game, and mm -hmm. it just is. And so, um, I, I totally I should have mentioned that Yuji Hori being the constant, being always yeah. there. Also the composer and the um, the art, the artist. Um, oh, oh, the Dragon Ball Z guy. Te te I almost said Tetsuya Nomura. Tetsuya Nomura. Uh, Akira Toriyama, that's, that's, the that's it. That's yes. the one. <laughs> and I, for, I forgive me on the composer's name, I can't remember his name, but all three of them have been together yeah. since the first one and they're still doing the same thing together. Imagine if after. Sakaguchi, Amano, and Uematsu <sighs> Right, if we're making the Uematsu comparison. Because Uematsu kind of split ways with Square Enix a little more or less around the same time. Yeah, a little, I mean, he little still after did a Sakaguchi, little bit but of, yeah. He's, yeah, but he's returned to do a... Like one or two tracks. ...song or yeah, exactly. something like that. Nothing Well, crazy. for 14, the vanilla original 14, he composed that, but that game... The 2010 ...burned one. and... Yes, unfortunately. Is, ...doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> and now we have Realm Reborn. Anyways. Yes, but yeah. yes. But he did 14 soundtrack, I think, the original 14. So, and apparently 14, I've heard great things about 14, but that's one game that we haven't gotten into yet. So, whether that echoes the elusive 90s genre as well, I don't know. A lot know. of people think so. I don't know. It's but an MMO, so exactly. it can't. To a, but, but some MMOs people say it feels more Final <laughs> Fantasy as an MMO than like a lot of the new FFs do. Yeah. But anyway. So, there are some things that I missed and that I, I wish that I had put in the video. And so, one of the things that we do want to do with this podcast is talk about possible future topics yeah. so that we can kind of hit those before the video goes right. out. <laughs> yeah. So um, there was one uh, comment from longtime viewer of the show, Heon. Yeah. And um, I think he was referring specifically to the part about Final Fantasy disease. Ah, uh, yes. And I thought that this would lead to a, a good conversation because mm -hmm. um, 
I'm, 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 I'm sort of echoing what, he, what his sentiment was. This is not necessarily what I think. I agree with a large part of it, mm-hmm. but not all of it. Um, but I'm also paraphrasing him, so I don't mean, to, if I misrepresent the argument, go to that video and search <laughs> and he on. scroll down. Uh, <laughs> c- uh, control, control F, F. <laughs> he on, find his comment, and read what he actually said. Yeah. But my point is that um, one thing he takes umbrage with, with the whole concept of Final Fantasy disease, I think everyone knows what Final Fantasy disease, disease can, is, right? You can do a brief recap. Uh, 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 Director 15, what's Tabata. the name? Tabata, Hajime Tabata. Hajime Tabata, when yeah. he was making that game that this is game, on the background right, right there. Um, I don't know, it was an interview or something. He, he said uh, Final yeah. Fantasy disease is where everybody has a different idea of what mm. Final Fantasy is. Yeah. And so like this was a problem while they were working on the game because like they didn't have a unified vision. Yeah. Um, and what, what Heon takes issue with with that is that he was sort of uh, alluding to the fact that they were using that or that maybe Tabata was using that as an excuse to say there isn't really a solidified spirit or identity to Final Fantasy because mm. everyone disagrees and it's so it's this ever-changing evolving thing okay. and it's always been at its root was to evolve or change every time mm. and that's what the spirit of Final Fantasy is and so he's saying no there was a very solid spirit to Final Fantasy right. for a certain period of time and then after I would I would again Hopefully I'm not misrepresenting his argument, but I, I, I know him well enough, I think, to say after Sakaguchi left, that is when the spirit Roughly, of yeah. it changed, right? Yeah. So what I wanted to bring up, because... Well, here, hold on, hold on, because if I missed Echoes of an Elusive Age, I'm going to kick myself for missing this one. <laughs> the, spirits, the spirits within. Oh, right. So the spirit within is ultimately what sunk his career, right? The movie. At uh, Square, yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about the spirit of Final Fantasy yeah. and the thing that killed it was the, the spirit within, within. Being, <laughs> being put without. He should have <laughs> kept the spirit within and not put it without because that kind of is what you ruined know, the whole thing. I haven't seen that movie I in haven't, a very long time. I never saw it. I never watched it. Oh, really? No. We, we should do that. We um, should, we should. And report back next week or whenever... It's not next week, but whenever the next podcast is, I wonder um, if it holds up better now, twenty years later. Because I, re- this is all, this is my, this is a little bit of a tangent. We'll get back on topic here in a second. <laughs> but I had, I had played Final Fantasy seven and six, I believe, when that when I saw that movie. Okay. So my only memory of it is that mm. this isn't like the games. Yeah, this isn't Final Fantasy. At That's all. actually what I thought too. Right. Yeah. This isn't Final Fantasy yeah. was the prevailing <laughs> sentiment that I had. Right. So just based on my, I don't know, two decades separation from seeing that, my memory is the spirit of the movie was not like the video games. Yeah. But um, maybe I could watch it again with, a, I don't know, more mature eye or something. Right, and, a different And a different expectation, yeah. right? Yeah, and then, like, yeah. Maybe it is there. I don't know. Because I, for some reason, I thought that main actress kind of looked a little bit like Tifa. And so yeah, I, I kind of was, th- I didn't know what Final Fantasy. <laughs> I, you played four or seven and six. I had only played seven. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Final Fantasy, right? Yeah. No, no. To me, it wasn't Final Fantasy either. I just saw the trailers. I didn't watch the movie. Right. But I, I, I was expecting Final Fantasy seven, and what I saw in the trailers was not. And I was like, I'm not interested in this. Mm. I think that, uh, well, I was going to make a video before you had released your Dragon oh, Quest yeah, video. Oh, right, yeah, that's right. Talking about my thoughts on Dragon Quest. And I had essentially the same thought while I was mm-hmm. playing it was there is a consistency to the tone, to the spirit, to the feeling of playing yeah. Dragon Quest that I felt even back when I played Dragon Warrior 3 on the Game Boy yeah, that forever Parker ago. Yeah, had. I, right? That's the one like, I played too, yeah. Back from, I think that was my first encounter, my first experience with Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. And the same thing I felt playing that one is basically the same thing I felt playing Dragon Quest. It's it's, an, it's incredible, isn't it? Right? Because it looks so different. Yeah. It, that shouldn't be the case. And like even you said in the video, mm-hmm. I presumed I would want to play in 2D mode. Yes. But I didn't that's, want to. That's the biggest <laughs> because surprise. Because it still felt right to play in 3D. I couldn't believe it. I, when they first announced that uh, the PS4 was getting... Dragon Quest XI, but yeah. not the 2D mode, I right. was I was livid. I yeah. was very upset. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I want the 3DS version. But the 3DS version wasn't localized here right. initially, right? R- and nope. so I was, 
I, I was like, how I'm never gonna play this game then because <laughs> I can't play the 2D mode. Yeah. But I, I just didn't realize how much it would still feel classic mm -hmm. without without that 2D mode. And honestly, it's a better game without yeah. the 2D mode. And I mean, I, I don't know if you played any of the more recent ones because I played eight. Uh, actually, no. Which is you know 3D as well. Yeah, that's uh, like the PS2 and, um, one. Did you play that on PS2. the on the DS? Or I have the, the DS one, okay. the 3DS one. But yeah, um, I also played Dragon Quest Nine. That was one that uh, Landon and I played a lot because mm -hmm. they had the co-op mode in that. So, anyways, point being, it still feels the same to play. The yeah, game. very much. And I think, of course, there are people who disagree, but I think it's pretty clear <laughs> that most people would look at a current Final Fantasy like 15 or 13 or, or even 12, which I like a lot, but 12, yeah. feels totally different feels from playing different. the older ones. Yeah. And so I guess I wanted to ask about, like, here's the consistency, and people sort of like perceive Dragon Quest as like having the same feeling or same spirit and, mm. and Final Fantasy being different, but a lot of people point to that and say, well, that's what Final Fantasy was intending to do. The spirit is to be different. But... I don't know if I agree with that. I don't completely. either. I don't either. <laughs> so there's something about like uh, if we th th maybe we shouldn't get too much into this right now, but the, the philosophical idea of a spirit, right? Like yeah. what is it? And a spirit is like if somebody says, "Oh, he's got the spirit of the devil in him," right? Like mm -hmm. what are they saying when they say that? Now what they may be saying is he literally has the spirit. Okay, but what are they really saying in yeah. terms of the philosophical implications? Which is something along the lines of. This person is exhibiting behavior consistent with what I have seen elsewhere in the embodiment of the devil, basically, right? Yeah. Like, this person is acting in a devilish way. He looks devilish. He, he sounds devilish. Like, everything about him screams devil. I am seeing, I'm, I'm literally seeing the embodiment of what I perceive to be the spirit of the devil being inside of you. I see it yeah. in you. It's not a physical thing, but you're seeing it in them based on the characteristics, right? Mm. So if you're telling me that the spirit of Final Fantasy is <laughs> is to be different, is to always be changing, then the spirit of Final Fantasy is it's not immaterial. a spirit. It's nothing. It, yeah, it's nothing. Because it, <laughs> you can look at this this light here, you can look at our cameras, you can look at this desk and say, oh, it's the spirit of Final Fantasy because everything I'm looking at is so different. Or, you know, you look at the variety of life on Earth and the yeah. life life encapsulates the spirit of Final Fantasy because yeah. it's so unique and different in all the various forms. Um, but if, 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 if um, the spirit of something is to be different, then that is essentially to say it doesn't have a spirit, which is okay. It's okay if you are making a type of video game or a series of, of stories that are completely unrelated and you, you can't find like the, the real core spiritual like center of it, mm -hmm. that's still okay. But it is one of the things that people are complaining about when they say, oh, I don't like these stories as much as the old ones. Right. I'm missing the spirit yeah, that I used to feel. Off. Yeah. There you go. I don't know if I did a good job explaining No, I think that's freaking perfect. That, that's as good as I can do in about two um, minutes. There's a lot of different definitions, but sure. the one that I think Skip we the are... the ghost one. <laughs> the one that we are um, essentially driving at when we're talking about the spirit of a fictional work mm -hmm. or something is definition 6B, the feeling, quality, or disposition characterizing something. There you go. Right? There you go. Yeah. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about the spirit of something. Yeah. And I think I agree 100% that you can't say that what it felt like to play Final Fantasy was ever, it's different. Because mm. then just time. play a different game. <laughs> yeah, I know, because that doesn't say anything. <laughs> then just play a different game, and that's also the they spirit of Final Fantasy. They changed a thing in this one, and that's why I love it. I yeah. don't think that's true. And I, I think agree, that I agree. the, there, I mean, there's certainly, it's certainly true that, like, uh, between like Final Fantasy 1 and 2, right, they changed the whole like level progression system in Final Fantasy 2, right? Yes. They would like pick a thing and yeah. they would kind of like tweak that or yeah. like iterate on it sure. in some way. Because then or in something. 3, you have the class um, system and yeah. things change even more right. from there. Yeah. And so like they're iterating on right. some things, right? But it, it's not like the whole thing felt like a totally different sure. like take. Yes. It was still... <laughs> Turn-based combat, the visuals were still very yeah, similar, yeah. the music was still very similar, the, the design philosophy right. was the same, right? And, and so they're just picking almost like one aspect, and they're mm. like, we're going to kind of like try something a little different with this. Sure. But that doesn't mean like the whole thing was like radically um, 
uh, innovated or like right. the whole thing was like totally turned upside down mm. or, or flipped on its head or now it's totally different to like Final Fantasies one through three on the NES while they do have like a lot of differences in terms of character progression or something like that sure. like they still feel really similar to play uh, I would say the same is true of the the SNES ones even though like the storytelling became more um, a more of a focus. It was like more in depth. Mm. They could do more with like the writing and like the dramatic storytelling. Yeah, and so like yeah. four and six are more serious, and five's a little more lighthearted. Yeah. And five has a you know um, a character progression system where it's it's class changing and yeah, you can yeah. customize like crazy. And four is very linear in yeah. terms of this character can only do this, and they can only get this ability at this level. And it's all just about level up, and then you'll gain all the you know. And you know six brought in the um, Magicite, which eventually became Materia from Materia, 7. Yeah. So they iterate on certain things, mm-hmm. but I do think that the core spirit, the core feeling, which is sort of a sum of a certain number of parts. Yes. And I think it's going back to your point on yeah. scenario writer. Sure. I think that's huge. The music is composer. Yes. And for me, music is like almost the number one thing that you yeah. can do to make something feel oh, totally. the same. Because you hear the music from a town or from an overworld. Yeah. And that puts you in the mood mm-hmm. better than almost anything else. Right. And then art like direction. immediately. Yeah. So yeah. the three things that have unified Dragon Quest over mm-hmm. the years are uh, the art, the, the scenario writer, yeah. the, like the style of the story being told. Yeah. Uh, and then the um, uh, the music mm-hmm. uh, totally unifies it, makes it feel the same, even though there are some things that are different. So when you said that it feels the same to play Dragon Quest XI as it did to play one of the old ones, you're not saying the game didn't change or they didn't yeah, include yeah. quality of life updates or... Because, um, you, you know, like, Dragon Quest XI doesn't have random encounters. Right, um, right. You see the... Like, unless you, you, you see them on, on the map. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like to me, that's an awesome quality of life update. Exactly. But it's not something it that changes the spirit of exactly. it. Exactly. It didn't right? feel all that different. In fact, and and the encounters, I mean, there may not have been necessarily random encounters, but as you're walking around and you're seeing all these random monsters everywhere, mm-hmm. maybe the encounters themselves aren't based on a timer or some random event, but it still feels kind of random, yeah. right? Like you're walking through the forest, here's a bear, there's some of these things over here, and you're still you've still got that um what do you call it? You've got the uh, the turn-based uh, combat system. Right. And so it, what it basically does, it allows you to avoid the enemies, but they still kind of pop up mm-hmm. just kind of randomly. And now a lot of games are like that, but I'm just saying it's not that different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really not. And, um, right. and again, those three unifying parts, I think, are yeah. the, the most influential on how something feels to play. I don't think a game's, like, whether it's random encounters or not, mm-hmm. is at the core of the identity in the same way as when you boot up Dragon Quest in here. Dun, 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 And it feels like, oh, I'm about to play Dragon Quest. Yes. Or like the theme of Dragon Quest. Well, and how terrible would it be, let's say you drop two of those parts. You drop the writer and the artist, but you retain the composer. Yeah. The music starts, you you get that feeling you're going to play a Dragon Quest game, but when you start playing, maybe it doesn't quite resemble. So you kind of need those three parts. They're so important. Yeah, so like... How are dungeons designed? How is the story generally paced and where does it usually tend to go yeah. thematically? Right. Um, Hori has done basically the same type of story. Yes. The, not, That's I'm not, saying, not a I'm criticism. Not the story's That's exactly the same. I'm saying yeah. the same type of story. It's a t- exactly. And it's <laughs> right? always based in that medieval fantasy world. Yeah. That Final Fantasy was based on up until yes. basically 7, right? Yes. When they were like, okay, let's start trying new things. Yeah. But 1 through 6 was all basically yes. that like Lord of the Rings type medieval and, fantasy art setting. And that was, uh, 6 was the one that he didn't direct. So he directed 1 through 5. Yeah, yeah. 6 was the first time he was more in a producer role. Mm-hmm. He's still that, a, Seemed to work out Very fine. creatively yeah. involved right. all the way up through nine, ex- excluding eight. Because right, uh, yeah. eight he wasn't really involved in at all. Yeah. But uh, what I'm saying is that the type of story being told, it, I mean, the first like four Final Fantasy, five Final Fantasies mm. were all about crystals. Yes. The <laughs> elemental crystals, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, trying to bring balance or harmony back to mm. the world. That was like thematically they all had the same idea. Right. And so, you know, there are still em- elements of that in 7, though it's, it's uh, 
some of the tropes were subverted and it, mm. it, it took a little bit of a different take on the same themes of balance yeah. and uh, you know in terms of like the in, the environmental message um, right, in terms right. of like life and death and the the relationship between the life stream and the planet and you know these were all thematically similar concepts mm -hmm. so the scenario is similar the music is done by the same guy it feels right yeah. the the philos the philosophy behind designing the overworld maps and the dungeons and, and, and how long they should be and yeah. how you should balance whatever and how the mini games are worked in. These are all similar. And then you have uh, an art director who was pretty much the same through those early yeah. games. And you arrive at Final Fantasy did have a very defined they identity. They did, yeah. They did. And that changed when the guy who created it and assembled all the teams and kept yeah. that core group together pieced mm -hmm. up. I don't think that's controversial. I th no. It seems pretty logical to well, me. Well, and there's a clear, <laughs> obvious, like, this... There, there's one specific event you can point to where you say, this is where things started. It doesn't mean yeah. 10 or 12. It doesn't mean that they were immediately very bad games. No. Um, in fact, 10, they're you both, still I think the they're both really good. They're good games. Um, it, it's just, that's where the that's where you start noticing that they're diverging a mm -hmm. little. And it, at first, it's okay. It's like, yeah. like with Final Fantasy XII. I really liked it. I didn't play it until more recently. Yeah. I really like that game. It's one of my favorites. But... Yeah, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel quite like. as much. Yeah. And every new iteration continues to kind of stray a little mm -hmm. bit further away yeah. from what was originally intended. And this is even though Kitase, who was sort of the protege of Sakaguchi, right? Yeah, Kitase yeah. Kitase came He directed on, seven, right? Uh, he directed six and seven and eight. And eight, that's right, yeah. Yeah, So uh, and ten. Well... Sort of 10. He was a producer kind of and director. There mm. was a, a, a bunch of different people who were directing different portions of 10. Mm. But um, he sort of took over Final Fantasy and he was sort of like brought up to for that purpose. Yes. Like Sakaguchi like took him and was like, okay, you're going to come with me yeah. and I'm going to like I'll show you how, to do you how yeah. I yeah. do scenarios and we're going to scenario write together. Mm -hmm. And they were working closely together. Even though that guy who was chosen and who worked very closely with him became kind of like the new creative lead, right. the, the manager of Final mm -hmm. Fantasy, it still had, it still feels majorly different with the departure of Sakaguchi. Yeah. And so they've been trying to, I think, find an identity with it since mm -hmm. then. And, you know, struggling with fan feedback being fairly negative and divided on right. a lot of these games. And so, you know, uh, that, that Tabata quote that... Uh, the Challenger Roots, I think is what he called it. Nah, which, no, who knows. which insinuated, oh, it's all about changing it up every time and doing right. something different and challenging ourselves. I think he was talking more about challenging yourself um, and the team to really like do something special, hmm. right? Something like extraordinary, something, um, uh, I don't know exactly the right word I'm looking for, but I don't think he. I don't think he exactly was implying there isn't a spirit or there wasn't mm. some kind of defined philosophy behind it. As much as he was saying, like, there's a lot of disagreement it's on what just that too is, yeah. and uh, what what we really yeah. need to focus on is just like pushing ourselves mm. to do something extraordinary to, to go beyond what the expectation is now that kind of thing usually when people say oh we want to push ourselves we want to go beyond um one of the first things they'll try and do is hey let's let's do things differently we want to change yeah. things up and what i think dragon quest 11 shows is that you don't have to change everything to do something really special and yeah. really cool that resonates with tons of people. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be different and new all the time. Like when, when a big leader of executive of a company leaves and a new one comes in, the first thing they want to do is start changing everything up. They want to, mm -hmm. oh, let's fire this person, let's hire this person, let's change this, oh, this is inefficient, we're going to do this and this. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened with Tabata, where he was brought in and he was like, okay, this is this is the big game. This is probably the biggest game I'm ever going to direct, right? Yeah. I need to like, all right, things weren't going well. All right, let's change everything. Let's yeah. do this, move these people here, make this system different. And that's that's a natural thing that happens when you replace somebody who had an important role. Right. But that's not always the best option, I guess. And mm -hmm. I don't want to criticize Tabata. Actually, I, I don't, other than the money he was paid, I'm sure, <laughs> I don't think he was put in a very enviable position. No, um, not Because at all. saving, like I actually had this um, analogy of The Hobbit in my prepared statements today. 
<laughs> the Hobbit <laughs> was originally going to be directed by Guillermo del Toro. And he had like two years of pre-production. He was doing all this work. He had the script written and rewritten and checked. And they were starting to manufacture all of the, all of the stuff. And like, he ended up having to drop out from the project because there was some weird disagreement between the producers and Tolkien Enterprises or something. And yeah. So he left and they convinced Peter Jackson to, to take over and to start directing The Hobbit. Now, you would think that would make the spirit of The Hobbit more like Lord of the Rings. But uh, Jackson didn't have enough time really to mm. like prepare for these new movies. Right. And so ultimately there was this one quote from J Peter Jackson that really stuck out to me because the Hobbit movies are not very good, right? I, they aren't and they yeah. don't feel that much like the Lord of the Rings despite many pieces still being there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's because these movies were originally being developed by somebody else. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, somebody asked him and they said, hey, why didn't you just make the movie that Guillermo del Toro wrote, and why didn't yeah. you just make that movie? Right. And he says, only Guillermo del Toro can make a Guillermo del Toro movie. Only he could do that. I can't step in and make his movie for him. I can't do it. And I, you just, I, you just I think the about nail, that. You just took the nail, <laughs> Boom. and you just freaking <laughs> pounded it so right in. Here's Sakaguchi, right this that. absolute genius, you know, change the game industry forever kind of person. Yeah. And who... Who, Kitase, who's going to step in and yeah. fill those shoes? They can't do it. They need to do their own thing because that's what Sakaguchi did. Nobody else can make a Sakaguchi game, as no. we're finding out. No one no. else can do it. Only yeah. he could do it, and even he has trouble doing it right. once he disbanded his whole team and went to make his own studio. Yeah. And so it's like, it was almost like a lightning in the bottle scenario, like Lord of the Rings, where everything just kind of fit and the timing was right and everything just worked and they had a good script and it just worked. Mm -hmm. But once everything kind of disbands and, and everything changes and you try to go in a new direction and whatever happens, you can't take over for somebody else's artistic creativity. That's what makes them so good and unique. If somebody else could make, if I could make a Guillermo del Toro movie, I'd just freaking do it. Who would ever hire him? Yep. <laughs> who would hire, who needs <laughs> Guillermo del Toro if it, anyone yeah. could do it? No, you need him yeah. to do it. And that's where this all, that's where this all comes down to. Is once, is once the main creative lead leaves, you may as well make different games. I know yeah. they don't want to lose the Final Fantasy the brand. brand. Yeah. <laughs> that brand's worth a lot of money. But it's kind of like, well, maybe maybe they should. And it sucks to look on the past and say, you know what, the golden age, it's it's done. It's over. Yeah. You can you can take that pessimistically, oh man, it's over, that sucks. Or you can be optimistic and say, hey, let's look for the next new thing. Yeah. But but don't wait around for Final Fantasy to become like the good games of old because I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, uh, th that Switch was, over to Dragon Quest. That was so <laughs> freaking brilliantly put that I almost have nothing to add to it other than wow. to say that I'm playing Lost Odyssey right now. Oh, nice. That's right. You were telling me about that, yeah. Mistwalker yes. RPG. Was it his... No, he did Blue Dragon Blue Dragon first, was first. And then he did it Lost Odyssey. But it's amazing to me yeah. how much that feels like playing Final Fantasy. Really? More than... It's what, not Final Fantasy. It's not called Final Fantasy. Right. But especially compared to 12... I, again, I mm -hmm. like... Final Fantasy XII. Final Fantasy XII yeah. is like my fifth favorite Final Fantasy game. I like it's it better, really good. <laughs> I like it better than a lot of the games that I would classify as the true spirit of Final Fantasy. That sure. being one, two, or three, yes, you know, like yes. <laughs> five. I like it better than five. Yeah. So I like it better than eight. I like it better than ten. Yeah, All of one. those are closer to the spirit of Final Fantasy than twelve is. I like twelve a lot, but it yeah. doesn't feel like Final Fantasy the same yeah. way Lost Odyssey feels like Final Fantasy. And I don't think Lost Odyssey is a perfect game either. I have plenty of criticisms right. for it. Um, it's it, very unique though, the way that, yeah. I'd say in terms of taking what's typical of a Final Fantasy and just changing a few aspects of it, yeah. it the, particularly they change the storytelling aspects of it it's, it's the Lost Odyssey to a very effective like method, especially with his memories and everything. And right. The, the, the book... Or like the, you're reading a lot of it uh, right. throughout the movie or throughout the game. Um, I thought those changes were really good while retaining a lot of other things. That yeah, would be it's still the same type yeah. of story, like same category. Kind of like we're talking about Horty writing the same category or type of story. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a Final Fantasy story. It feels like a Final Fantasy world design. It mm. feels like Final Fantasy characters. It yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all totally, of it totally. feels like that. When you're yeah. running around on the screen, it's like, this is Final Fantasy X. These yeah. map designs and like the way the camera moves and uh, the music, is, it feels like Final Fantasy music. It feels like a Final Fantasy game, more than current day Final Fantasy games do. So mm. I, I think it's, um, I, I, I would just say I feel it's wrong to say that there wasn't ever 
a solidified identity or spirit to those games mm. that unified them together at one time and that has sort of been lost after the departure of Sakaguchi. So speaking of Lost Odyssey, we've now adjusted the images. This character back here, he is from Lost Odyssey. He's called Jansen. He's a very cool character. This character behind me up here, Dandelion from The Witcher. Um, so I'm playing through Lost Odyssey right now, right? I'm gonna do a review on it on the channel. And um, I don't know what the general feeling is on Jansen as a character, like what fans of Lost Odyssey what other people feel think about him. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know that many people who have played Lost Odyssey before. You know, that's And, and that's you know including, I talked to a lot of people on like the channel, people who are into RPGs, yeah. and, and the people say, oh, I like all Lost Odyssey. Hmm. But I haven't like talked to a lot of people in depth about why they log, like Lost Odyssey. Hmm. Or, um, I guess there was one guy in the chat of the, the, the live streams that I do when I'm recording the footage. Hmm. He, was, he seemed to be into him, thought he was funny. My point is, I don't like this character at all. <laughs> 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 and I feel like that's gonna be a really contrarian opinion to the majority. I think the majority okay. of people like Jansen. That's okay. my guess. Yeah. Based on the type of character he is and how he fits into the cast and how he's always trying to be funny all the time. Um, but I was playing through the game and I was like, dude, I just don't, I don't like Jansen. I find him to be incredibly irritating. Everything he says is annoying. He's constantly derailing the freaking conversation in <laughs> some direction. He's just mm -hmm. weird and like, anyways, I'll get into a little bit why I feel that way. But it got me thinking about the character archetype that he fits into, which yeah. is in, in, in literary terms, it's called a foil, mm. right? So you have usually a main character or you could even have like a, a number of characters that have a certain temperament um, whether it's serious or not, it doesn't matter. Whatever their temperament is, the foil character is their opposite that uh, is inserted for the purpose of balancing your cast yeah, so sure. that you're not too serious all the time and you're not too silly all the time. You can kind of have this back and forth. And just opposites are fun to watch together, yeah. right? Like two people who think totally differently. Sure. Who you know, feel totally differently, perceive what's going on around them totally differently, mm. who react completely differently. There's like an inherent interesting aspect in, in character play when you have two people doing the same thing, seeing the same thing, mm -hmm. experiencing the same thing, and having a totally opposite reaction to that thing. That's kind of like Jerry Seinfeld and Kramer. <laughs> yes. That, that Kramer is yeah. kind of his foil He's, in that show, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, Seinfeld plays <coughs> what's called in comedy, the straight man in the yes. show. His, in, the yeah. entire show is him experiencing all this wackiness around him. Yeah, straight man in a mad world. Is yeah, like and he's, it, he's yeah. meant to be our, the, the audience's like viewpoint yeah. of this just insanity happening yeah. all around. <laughs> and so he sort of, he, he's not like terribly funny in the show necessarily. Right. He's just sort of reacting to everything else. Kramer and like <laughs> everyone else like losing Newman. it. And yeah. just going crazy, right? Right, right. Like being wacko people. Yeah. So anyways, that's the idea of what a foil is. And so I was thinking about it and I, I, I kind of wanted to discuss like w what makes a foil character good? Mm. Because you take an yeah, example like Jar Jar Binks, who is like probably <laughs> yeah. the most hated foil character I can think of. Oh, I feel so bad for the actor <laughs> that played him too. Yeah, right? Man. Most people found Jar Jar Binks to be incredibly annoying, despite yeah. the fact that he was intentionally meant to be dumb yes. and uh, clumsy, and that was meant to be humorous. It was meant to be funny, right? Yes. So why didn't it work for Jar Jar Binks? Mm -hmm. But it does work for Kramer or something. Kramer, You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like, or, or in this case, behind me, I think Dandelion is a great foil character to mm -hmm. Geralt. I think he's amazing in, in that role. Yeah. So why does Dandelion work why does Kramer work? Why does Jar Jar Binks not work? And so that's kind of like what I want to discuss. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I do. I mean, well, in, in Star Wars Episode One, Jar Jar Binks, he is the foil character um, for Qui-Gon Jinn specifically. Yeah, like Jedi characters. Yeah, but yeah. not all of them. Mostly just Qui-Gon Jinn because yeah. Qui-Gon comes to Naboo and he's alone. I think 
No, you, him and uh, Obi Wan are together. Were they together they when they him, saved when they him? Ah, yeah. oh, dang it, I forgot. That. But but I mean, Obi Wan is fairly it, straight. Oh, it's as when well. it's when He's, they meet Anakin that yeah. that um, they split up. Qui Gon's with Padme. Or no, yes. Qui Gon's with Anakin and Ewan McGregor's Ewan McGregor. No, no, no. Padme and Obi Wan's at the uh, ship, right? Padme and yeah, Obi Wan stays at the ship. Yeah, and and Qui Gon goes with Padme. That's right, because they Jar Jar okay. to meet Anakin. Now I can't yeah. remember why Obi Wan stayed at the ship, but for the most part. Um, Jar Jar isn't so much a foil character for Obi Wan, yeah, as much as he is for Qui Gon. Mm -hmm. He he's more of, and Qui Gon's a little more serious than Ewan McGregor, yeah. because Obi Wan's <laughs> we're mixing the names, whatever. Obi Wan is uh, he's younger, you know, he's a little more spry, he's a little funnier. He makes the little quips, the little oh, the negotiations were short. The negotiations were short. <laughs> yes, um, so he's got his very well written, so funny lines. Um, <laughs> Anyways, and then Qui-Gon Jinn's the more serious one who, you know, he's got his kind of things that he's kind of manipulating and trying to get to work in his favor. Sure, yeah. And Jar Jar Pink shows up and just like screws everything up, right? But yeah. it messes with his, like Dandelion may mess with, um, with Geralt mm -hmm. in a way that, um, <laughs> that Geralt... Like that kind of helps Geralt a little bit. Jar Jar Binks didn't help any. Jar Jar Binks didn't help anybody do anything. All he did was screw things up. And at one point during the battle, he accidentally drops a laser ball, whatever those called, on some enemies, and he kills them. Like, okay, good job. But that was that was stupid. But he's only he's doing it on accident, anyways. I know. And he's almost killing his own guys while he's doing it. I know. He's so close. And remember, he got that gun on his foot, and he's like ducking and almost shooting his friends. And so it's like. It, the, well, okay, maybe I shouldn't say this. There's a line in Tropic Thunder that I will not repeat. Amazing movie. For YouTube reasons. <laughs> but um, Robert Downey Jr. is talking about Sean Penn and how he didn't win yes. an Academy Award because he took his role a little too far. Far. Too far. Um, and he basically was too useless of a F character in I Am Sam. Yeah, yeah he, went, he went full, and you, you shouldn't <laughs> go full. Um, so Jar Jar Binks went full. Yes. He went full foil, I guess we'll call it. I don't even know if we call it foil, but he went full opposite of Qui-Gon in every possible way yeah. to where, to where Qui-Gon's like, are you brainless? And he goes, what, I can talk? He's like, yeah. I speak. And he's like, the ability to talk yeah, doesn't, doesn't make, make you intelligent. intelligent. Yeah. Exactly. And, but that's, that's how opposite they are. I think they were a little too far. So they went full. Yeah. On that one, mm -hmm. and uh, whereas my, my assumption would be, because yeah. I, I didn't see this character too okay. much. In we'll the, we'll yeah. get into that. So but my assumption would be he wasn't full. Your point <laughs> is, is I think, spot on. It's pretty yeah. much the point I was going to make, is that like, you can go too far with making the foil just always attempting to be the polar opposite of your main character or trying to With constantly be funny yeah. or clumsy or something right. and never have any usefulness to... And I think also <coughs> the attitude of your point of view characters toward the foil will actually create the attitude of the audience toward that character. That's a good point. At yeah. what point in Star Wars yeah. do any of the characters like show appreciation or even like they like or they feel they I never don't think it ever they're happens. always <laughs> irritated with Jar Jar. Well, because you look at other foil characters like Steve Urkel in in full or Family Matters, right? Yeah. Steve Urkel, the did I do that? He's got, yeah. I don't know if you guys know who Steve Urkel is on on the audience, but he was totally the foil character to the cop family. You mm -hmm. know, everything's going trying to go well. I know yeah. things go wrong, but he but they still had these moments where you can tell that they loved him. Steve they thought he is was weird, sentimental. He has value. He yeah. adds something to their he lives. He adds something. And yeah. without him, they're like, this is kind of, we want him back, you know? Yeah. You never got that with Jar Jar. Right. You never even came close to that. No. And uh, and this is actually the difference between Dandelion or Dandelion mm. from the Witcher video games and books versus mm. Yaskier. His, Yaskier was the, his name in Polish, which I think... Oh. Diaskir is a name for a flower in Polish as okay, well. Okay, so it's like Dandelion so or something. For, okay. I don't know why you do. Usually don't do that. You don't translate a name when you do a translation, That's right? But they weird. translated his name from Yaskir to Dandelion when huh. they put the book in English. So anyways, that's why he's called Dandelion in the video games and in the books. In the English version of the books. But Yaskir in the show is very irritating in the same way that I think Jar Jar Binks or Jansen mm. is. And... I went over this a little bit in my video that I posted uh, yesterday. By the time this video goes, it was probably like a week ago or something. But right. um, 
The difference is, is that in the book, there's a scene, I don't know if you remember, where they, you go back to the temple of Melitola and oh, uh, yeah. Mother Nenica is saying, oh, that dandelion is here to see you. Do you want him to come in? So like, oh, yeah, sure. And right. she's just disdain. She hates yeah. dandelion. And she's like, I don't know why you put up with I him. I don't understand yeah. why you even like him yeah. at all. And he's like, and he defends dandelion to her. Mm. Like he, he expresses that he, he's actually a good friend of mine and I like this guy, right? right? And it's like, he and Dandelion are good friends. And when they talk, they talk like they are friends and they have respect for each other. Mm. And even in the moments where they're a little bit irritated, like in the, in the chapter of The Last Wish where they're fishing at the beginning, they're both kind of working together to try to like catch that fish. Oh, and yeah. Dandelion's like, pull, pull. And he's like, no, it's going to snap the line. Like, <laughs> stop, like loosen. He's like, no, pull. And, you know, but it's, you're laughing. Cause yeah, because I remember that. It yeah. was hilarious. It was. The uh, scene was Specifically because they were working together. Yes. When they were oh, traveling okay. together, yeah. they were working together yeah. and they butt heads because they're opposites and they're foils but they still are friends mm -hmm. and when dandelion's voice gets destroyed by the genie yeah, yeah. Geralt is legitimately concerned he's really right. worried and he's trying really hard to find an answer to save dandelion's career essentially as a bard right right save his life too because for, for a while you feel like he's gonna die right. in the show that scene does not play out like that. Mm. Yaskier just like shows up out of the blue. It's like, oh, Geralt of Rivia, what are you doing here? And and they weren't traveling yeah. together. And Geralt is totally so irritated it's like the first with time him. They met, right? Well, they had met earlier, okay. but they had separated. And mm. it was like Yaskier just happened to show up mm. in the same location in the woods by a river while he's trying to fish in the river. <laughs> Anyways, the show's. It, so he shows up in order to screw things up almost. Yeah, not not and, that that was and, his intention, but that was the show writer's intention. Yeah, the Geralt's like totally irritated. He's like, ah, frick, get away from me. And he's like all <laughs> mad. And it's like, yeah, I felt that way too. Because right. Yaskier in the show isn't adding anything of value mm. to Ger Geralt's perspective. Whereas in the book, while it's never like on the nose, like he doesn't like say this out loud. But in the book, it's made pretty clear that Geralt is ostracized everywhere he goes in the mm. world. Everybody treats him like a subhuman. Yeah. Very few people. You have Mother Nenica, uh, the mayor of uh, Alderman of, I think, Blaviken was kind of like buddy-buddy with him a little bit. At, until um, he told him not to come back. <laughs> right, and then he's like, get the frick out of here, I, I don't want to ever see but you again. My, my assumption is that's just what happens to him yeah. as a witcher. He goes, he goes places, he goes a little too far, maybe he does things in yeah. front of people, and then they say, don't come back. Yeah, and then, then yeah. you have Dandelion. Right. Dandelion is like the only other person mm. who treats him like a human being. And so Geralt, you would think, well, he has yeah. no skills while they're out there on the road. He can't defend himself, he can't yeah, fight. He, he what what sings, is he adding of value? He brings his little loot right? and he yeah. sings, right? So what he's adding, on top yeah. of trying to like change his, um, res uh, his uh, reputation through the songs that he's writing about him to try right. and help him out, uh, aside from that, he's adding companionship. He's, he's providing companionship, a mm. friend, which is something Geralt like desperately freaking needs in this world. And yeah. so Geralt is, you can feel his appreciation for Dandelion mm. even when he's being stupid and clumsy and doing his dumb stuff like a foil yeah. character is supposed to do to bring some humor to the conversation. Right, right. Because uh, Geralt is way too serious. Yeah. Like without a foil character, Geralt is, it's almost like um. So Christopher Nolan decided to drop Robin from Batman, right? Now, I'm not yeah. saying Robin's a foil character because they're yeah. both kind of silly right. in the comics and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you just have Batman and you make him super serious, this foreboding character, and I love The Dark Knight, like very good movies, mm -hmm. right? But there, and I guess the foil would be the antagonist in some ways. Joker is yeah. kind of the foil for Batman, but it's different because it's just so dark, mm -hmm. right? You don't get any relief. It's right. just foreboding it's really darkness. freaking... All tense, the time, and yeah, time. it's it's always so tense, and that's part of why the movie's good. Uh, but at the same time, like you need characters that, like in Lord of the Rings, you have like Pippin or you, or yeah. Gimli. Sometimes you have mm -hmm. you have characters that that can help to lighten the mood. Pippin being the opposite of Gandalf is hysterical. Yes. I, I just love it. Right, but, Pippin's another great foil. But he's character. so useful, yeah. and he actually does stuff, and and he's not just a long. Even though Gandalf mm. keeps telling him fool of a took, I remember when And he has an arc. He actually like he does. learns and grows and becomes something yeah. and changes. And he right? gains courage and he yeah. saves Farmir's life. Anyways, he does some really important stuff. But um there's that point at the end with the movies where Gandalf's like, There never was much hope, only a fool's hope. Like yeah. he's implying that we're all fools. Like I know I call you stupid a lot, Pippin, but 
we're all yeah. doing something that has no chance of actually working. Right. And we're all in this together, you know. Um, I can't remember exactly what my point was with that, but... No, but, but you're right. Like, <coughs> foil characters, when they are done right, yeah. they are adding something right. of value, and they are useful in some way mm-hmm. to our point-of-view characters. Oh, and that was my point. Right. It was with Christopher Nolan Batman where they just don't have it. He decided, let's just have the, the dark intensity without any yes. light anywhere. Yes. And, and, you know, it can work sometimes. It's hard. I think it's the one, because Dark Knight Rises I didn't love. It was yeah. way too hopeless and dark. Well, well I, I think I think, like, my... Because I actually watched it again recently. Oh, did you? I haven't seen it since the theater. Like, the really hard thing when you kind of box yourself into a tone that is real dark the whole time... Yeah, is that somber. When you're asking people to take it that seriously, they can begin to nitpick it. Yeah, and the and things that say, don't make sense feel, feel really dumb. Yeah, like getting uh. punched in the back to get your spine fixed. <laughs> and, like... Yeah, coming back after having absolutely zero resources, no money, mm. somehow he flew across the world in a day to get back to Gotham. You know, the, these logical flaws right. become much bigger holes in the story when because you're it's being so serious. asked to yeah. take it so seriously. Whereas those flaws exist in these Marvel films too, but it's like the it's, Marvel films do such movie. a good job of yeah. balancing that humor. Yeah, and the you know with without that, so I love the Dark Knight, but I tell you what, I can't watch too many movies like that. Yeah, and you do need characters that balance it out because there isn't very much balance in that movie. This is actually something that I'm really—I don't want to say struggling with, but thinking a lot about with, with the with novel that I'm mm. writing right now. Yeah, because like I'm I'm doing a read through with uh, my parents every Monday. Is I go it, over. Is it too serious? And they they read it back to me, and I try to hear it. Oh, cool! Like in you know being read out loud. The way and, that someone and else. I try to like edit it and like think about it differently That's when smart. I'm not reading it to myself. Nice. So, anyways, I'm doing this and. I had just finished reading The Last Wish mm-hmm. for the video that I was making. And The Last Wish, first probably, well, the, at least the first one, where mm-hmm. he goes and he, um, he fights the Striga and like brings her back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Pretty mm-hmm. dark, serious stuff. Yes. Because Geralt is kind of our main character through that. Right. And it's all funneled through his perspective. Then in chapter Dandelion two... wasn't there for that. No. Chapter two, he meets Novellin, the monster... Guy who's like in the, the castle by himself, with the girl. And he, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and he's kind of that way though. His pers- right. his perspective is kind of a foil because he's in a situation that most people would be like, "Ooh, you've been turned into a monster." Like right. you would like like Beauty and the Beast, right? Sure. And Beast yeah. in Beauty and the Beast is like resentful. He's very and, upset. and very yeah. angry. Yeah, and Novellin has almost the opposite reaction to that. It's like my yeah. life got better almost because of this, <laughs> and I almost don't want to become human again. Right, and he, it, there's a little bit of self-deceit there where he's kind yeah. of lying to himself about right. what his situation is, but yeah, it's true. He but is, his attitude yeah, his is, attitude's acts opposite. as a foil to Geralt, and so yeah, that story is real fun, yeah. and it has moments of good humor in it. And um, and so like when I, the first time I read the book, it's like I knew about the Striga story because it's basically mm. the opening cinematic of the first Witcher game. Oh, cool. That whole cinematic is him fighting that Striga. Oh, nice. So like I kind of knew where it was going, but th- it didn't grab me like that second chapter did. Mm. Like the Novellan character was really great. And mm. I just felt like the character play between the two made it to where it's like, oh, this book's amazing. Like yeah. this is awesome. This is written so well. And then you get into... Uh, chapter three, which is the Butcher of Blaviken, a little more darker and serious, serious yeah. and heavier again. But then Dandelion shows up, yeah, yeah. and you have with the, the Edge of the World yeah. with the L story, and then you have the Last Wish, and mm. both of those have this sense of adventure and fun that some of the other stories don't. And I think it is c- mm. because there is a character foil character dynamic, yeah, and it allows for comedy to lighten the tension in spots but it doesn't mm-hmm. like take away from it to the point there's an, there needs to be a balance but sure it's still the situation's still crazy and tense and like dangerous yeah and you feel the stakes but you have these characters and there are even more like minor characters like there's a there's a priest character um I, we kind of talk about this in anime you know how in anime especially true in dragon ball z you have <laughs> your main character out there building up the energy and then you mm-hmm. have i don't even know what the technical term for it would be, but your spectator characters yes, going, oh. who have to inform the audience. Saying he's doing this move like the... Okay, yep. had a technical issue. Um, mm. Talking about Dragon Ball Z. So yeah. um, you have your spectator characters and right. they essentially just 
say exactly what you're seeing. It's not yes. enough that we can see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. We have to also be told it. It's it's like yeah. the exact definition of tell rather than show. Yes, it's like tell exactly. and show at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just to, to make the episode longer almost, yeah. I feel like. Um, but yeah, there's always the kid that's like, oh no, he's doing a mega powerful ultra blast. Oh, right. No, that's only been done twice in the world. Right. So yeah. in The Last Wish, right, when Geralt and uh, Yennefer are struggling with the genie and they're yeah. like fighting each other and all that's happening, it'll take a break to come out to Dandelion, mm -hmm. the mayor, and the priest, who are observing this and just like, <laughs> like having their funny quips, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Because it's a balance right. of that fun adventure Meanwhile, side and like, that tense yeah. side. Part of the town is like being destroyed. Exactly. And they're all just kind of like, well, how much is this gonna oh, cost? <laughs> one of my favorite freaking parts is there's an elf who's like, my house is being destroyed. And uh, he's like, and he's like, um, uh, or, or uh, why, you, no, the priest says, why are you so happy? Why do you sound so happy mm -hmm. about your house being destroyed? Oh, I had an insurance policy on it. <laughs> and he's like, does it cover magical destruction? He was like, yes, it does. That was wise. Congratulations. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny, right? And <laughs> I do hysterical. think that there's a commonality where these um, stories that are very mainstream or very popular, they mm. do have that nice balance. Harry Potter has foil characters yes, they and do. a lot of humor in it. Yeah. Uh, Lord it's of the kind Rings of a silly does. world. Yeah. yeah, Lord of the Rings has foil. The Hobbits, just that, their whole lifestyle is so opposite yeah. of what we're seeing. And I'm, this is not to say that you can't have a tone that's very dark or very heavy right, and have like it work. Dark Knight pulls it off. It's dark just, Knight, it's hard, uh, Dark Souls, I would say. Oh, sure, there's no there, there's character in Dark Souls. That <laughs> <laughs> you can make that work. But yeah. this is what I'm trying to talk about is I'm struggling with, am I gonna try to do that? Yeah. Am I gonna try to go all in on the heavy nature of it? Because very few people can make that work. It's yeah. very hard to make it work. Yeah. It, you, it's, you still need to find places to lighten yeah. tension, but it's not always necessarily with like humor hmm. or foil character. Anyways, something I've been thinking a lot about. Right. Back to Lost Odyssey. Yes, so this is my problem with Jansen. Jansen, and I think that, I think there's a solution to it, because I don't like to just like offer a criticism or a problem without mm. like, is there a way that it could have been fixed? Sure. O offering a solution with a problem. I like to do that usually. That's very ethical of you. <laughs> I think it's because you're also a writer. <laughs> but Jansen, the way that it's actually written and plays out, he doesn't offer anything useful and he's mm. constantly just... It's kind of like um, Tony Stark in the later Iron Man movies. Like I one thing that bothered never really me saw those. <laughs> with like Iron Man 3 was like uh, spoilers for Iron Man 3, I guess. Has, has anyone not? Yeah, you haven't seen it. I haven't, but I don't really care. Something happens at the end <coughs> where it's a it should have been really devastating and sad. Yeah. And it is for like five seconds. And then he turns around to the villain and he's like making jokes again, like Tony mm. Stark always does. And I know he's that type of character. He mm. always knows the right thing to say. And he's and that's not a realistic character, but it's right. a fun character. Sure, and it's, it's part fun. of what's made fun to follow the first along. Iron Man so great. Yeah, yeah. Because he kind of serves as a foil to Pepper Potts and to like the military dudes he's around. Yes, and, yes. And all that kind of true, thing, right? Yeah. The first scene is he's literally in a tank with or uh, some kind of vehicle with military people who yeah. are like all straight laced. And, and he's bragging about how many supermodels he's right. slept so, with. Right, yeah. like that's part of why we like him. But there was a certain point where it just went too far. He's still joking, even though like the mm. literally the most devastating thing his whole life just happened. Right. So hmm. anyways, that's what Jansen does. Like no matter what's happening, he's almost always like making a joke about it or mm. be doing some silly mannerism or, and, and he's, he, he, uh, he's like a huge womanizer. Um, there's not a lot about his personality that I would find valuable or that I would like. Right. And the characters also feel that way when he's forced to kind of come into the party. They're like, I don't want this guy around. Like, why do right. we need him? And Gongora, who makes him go with you, he says something like, um, he says, despite appearances, like, he has a healthy respect for women, I think is what he says. As if that's for some reason, like a good reason why you need this guy in your team to begin with. But then we get to a scene where he meets the queen of Numara and she's there playing a harp and he sort of like walks into the chamber mm. and he decides, oh, the political situation here, she's being marginalized. She's just a figurehead. They don't respect her. Um, she's like a, prison in her, a prisoner in her own kingdom. I'm going to kidnap her and like save her from this situation, hmm. right? But he doesn't consult her about it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, 
He just goes in there trying to be charming. He's not charming. The whole scene is freaking cringy as fetch. And like he essentially kidnaps mm. this woman and like takes off with her. Wow. Which is, in my estimation, the total opposite of having a healthy respect for women. Right. Um, and also he's not... Like they try to play like he's flirting with her and like, like mm. she's supposed to be liking it, but he's so creepy. Like he's so creepy. Yeah. Like it's not... It's not endearing. It's not uh, charismatic. It's... It, and... Um, Anyways, everything he freaking does is annoying to me. <laughs> and I don't think that he adds a lot of value in the story with his yeah. personality in comparison to the other characters. But mm. what they could have done is he is basically the only mage you have for a long time. Oh. And he's really freaking powerful. Mm. Like there are certain enemies that come across where you need his magic in that boss fight. Like that specific element you need to take advantage of. And he's very useful in battle. He's a great battle character. Mm. Why didn't Gongora say, you need a mage in your team? You're going to need, uh, right. he, he's, he's trained with these mages and he's super powerful and like, these are going to be very valuable to you mm. on the road uh, for these monsters you fight and the things you come across. You need a mage. All of a sudden, he's a useful character now despite right. all the things that you might find annoying And about the audience him, right? can respect him. There's a reason to and, and have some type of respect. Characters can respect it. Yeah. Like show them respecting his magic or right. something, right? Instead to where it's like, joking. ooh. Yeah. Like, Sure. D regardless of how annoying I find you, like that was really a, a, a good save there. Thanks yeah, you're for a like valuable member glad you were here to help yeah. out. Yeah. That's what it needs. That's what it needs. And so, like, anyways, I think we've we've gone a little bit over time and how much we wanted to talk about this, but I, I wanted to get the opinion of, of people who play the game too, what they thought about Jansen, because I just find him like yeah. insufferably annoying. And but I think a lot of other people like him, but given the whole context of the conversation we just had, like, how do you feel? Do, hmm. do you feel there are moments when he is made useful in the character, you know? What moment made you endeared to him? Is, guess, uh, I guess, what I'm asking. Because I haven't found that yet in my playthrough. I'm more than halfway through the game. And I have not had a single moment where I was like, oh, hey, Jansen, I'm glad you're here. It's always like, just please shut up. Like, go away. <laughs> Be in my battle party but like just don't talk i don't right. want you to ever talk <laughs> so you know this is unfortunate you actually brought this up to me with my dragon quest 11 video but there is a character named silvandro <laughs> yes who i i had um i had difficulty with him mm -hmm. and a lot of people may have difficulty with him at first most of what i've read online is that people say oh i thought he was weird but by the end i was like really i was glad him. he was there right yeah, it's a great that's example. the sign of a good foil character right and i i didn't love silvandro but there is and we won't spoil anything here but there is at least two moments <laughs> where you can look at him and say that he is providing value that mm -hmm. without him things would be worse. Well, the first scenario he appears in with the prince okay. who is um, yes. like, like He's lying. He's faking it. Yeah. And, and Silvando's yeah. entrance into that scene to help him right. made him competent from the beginning. Right. So you knew he was really powerful. Yes. You were like, hey, he's powerful and he has a good heart. Like yeah. he's trying to help. Right. That makes it him a tolerable, not yeah. even tolerable, like you, you actually want him by the end yeah. to be a part of the team of what's yeah. going on. I, Whereas initially that wasn't the case. I was like, my gosh, yeah. what is this guy? I, I did feel like, that's a great example. I didn't even think about it in relation to this topic, but yeah. I felt like Silvando was competent almost from the moment he appeared on screen, yes. despite the fact that he's over the top and right. he's flamboyant in the way that a character, not for the same reasons, but in, in a mm. similar way to say, someone like Jar Jar Binks is or something like that. Similar to Very that. exaggerated yes. expressions, very over-the-top mannerisms, very... Yes. And um, always has something to way. say. Yes. Yeah. But he, he was competent. Like, he was very good. He was a good fighter. He yeah. added something of value. He was trying to help, like you're yeah. saying, right from the get-go. And Jar Jar Binks is literally just a dummy the whole freaking movie. You can't do anything. He doesn't yet. help at all. And then even story-wise, Silvandro later on in the maybe a little more spoiler, it's kind of late game stuff, but there is um, just at least some history to him mm -hmm. that makes sense for why he is how he is, yeah. as opposed to with George R. Pinks, it's just like, oh, he... He was born wrong. Like he was yeah. dropped on his head. Exactly. And and that's Jar Jar Binks. Like and and it's it's just it's difficult. It's difficult. Anyways, so, foil character. Good huh? talk. Good talk.
Good stuff. Very good. Um, usually we will go into Patreon comments at this yeah. point. We're going to skip it this time because we've gone uh, a little bit over and our cameras are going to run out of batteries in space. Yeah. So we will work on tightening up our, uh, our podcast so that we can get to Patreon questions at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we, had, we had several that were submitted on Patreon, so we will get to you guys next time. In fact, maybe we'll lead off with that next time and then uh, to kind of make up and then you know, sure. go into our topics. So um, this is the new podcast. I hope you guys like the set. Let us know what you think. Again, we would love to make this a permanent part of the podcast moving forward. Um, If you haven't seen uh, the video on Patreon kind of explaining the the background situation we're going through right now on the channel, uh, go check that out. If if you'd like to be a part of of helping the channel move forward and grow, um, Patreon link in the description. We appreciate you guys and all of you who are supporting now. Um, You're amazing. Thank you uh, for the support. I'm, I'm always like super surprised slash humbled mm. when I like go into our comments sections or, or when I like see people's responses to the videos I post on Patreon. Like we have a great group of people I think that, so, yeah. that follow us and just like yeah. really, really, really amazing dudes on Discord and just Discord everywhere. Too, yeah. Like you guys are awesome and we really, really appreciate you. So thank you for everything. Uh, until next time, have a great week. Peace out.